Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today for Song of the Soul, I'm happy to welcome David Hilgendorf. David works at the Friends School of Minnesota in the Twin Cities. He has a long history of a great variety of musical styles, and it's a real pleasure to welcome him to today's Song of the Soul. David, thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. You brought the kids in from the Twin Cities here, and they're off with my grand-nephews and having a good time out in the park. I get the feeling that your kids are pretty used to that kind of thing. They love playing. But I also noticed, for instance, that you had a Scattergood Friends School Frisbee in your car. You had the ball there. Are those things you always carry with you? Yep, those and the tennis rackets and swimming gear. We've got bikes on the back of the car here in Eau Claire. We like to be ready to play. Where do you work? I work at Friends School of Minnesota. I've been there for 11 years, and I've worn seven different hats there. Currently, the hats I wear are library media specialist and also the special events coordinator and volunteer manager. It's really a wonderful place to work. It's a beautiful environment. There's a wonderful conflict resolution program there, and I hope to be there another decade. I think you go up through eighth grade there, right? That's correct, K to eight. We've got about 164 students this year, I think, which is a record for us. I mentioned you have the Frisbee from Scattergood Friends School, so I know you attended that for high school, or at least part of high school. Where did you go to college? 
Oh, that's a long story. I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Minnesota, and that was in international relations with a minor in Spanish. And then I moved to California originally to study tabla at Ali Akbar College of Music. And I did study for about half a year. And then I went on to San Francisco State University, and I studied uh, teaching secondary social studies. After that, when I came back to the Twin Cities... I began studying library and information science in the graduate program at the College of St. Catherine, where I still am. I noticed that one of the things that you didn't say that you were teaching at Friends School was anything about music. Do you get to do music there at the school? A little bit. I do teach some electives, and one of my favorite electives is an improvisation elective. And um, we do music in that, and movement, and self-expression in general. But there is a, another music teacher who's been there since the beginning of the school, Russell Packard, who does a great job teaching instrumental music, vocal music, a lot of emphasis on politically righteous music. He does a beautiful job, and uh, sometimes I will join him, and we've played in groups together. Particularly, we've done belly dancing troops. Wow. Now, you mentioned having gone to school for tabla over in California. Where did you start with music, and what part does it play in your life right now? Well, I grew up in a Quaker community in Twin Cities Friends Meeting, and there was a lot of singing, and there's a group of people who get together several times a year called the Nightingales. Growing up, I would often go to the Nightingales, or during some of the yearly meetings of the Quakers, we would sing with the Nightingales. So singing was an early thing. In, I think, third or fourth grade, my music teacher recognized the singing talent in me and recommended that I go try out for the Schubert Club Boys Choir, which I did, and I joined. I had a wonderful time there and also learned cornet simultaneously there at the school. Later, I got into guitar. It wasn't until my junior year in high school, I think, that I started playing guitar, tinkering with it, never took instruction in it, Really, the only instruction that I've had in music, besides the tabla, was with the dumbek, which is an Egyptian drum. After studying tabla for about six months, I realized that this whole other world of Indian music was not what I was looking for at that time. Uh, it took a lot of memorization, and it's just a whole other world. But I discovered that Vince Delgado, who is a Doombeck master, was living in the same town as me, Fairfax, California, and that he was offering private instruction. And so I started taking Doombeck lessons with him. And that's the instrument that I most excel at these days. You came back to Wisconsin. Was it just because it was too hot out there in California? Well, it was actually Minnesota I came back to, and uh, no, that's another long story. I was actually teaching English in Korea and then traveling around Asia for about half a year. And then when I came back to California, I decided to do some traveling around the United States to look at intentional communities because um, that's something that's important to me. Because I had been gone from the Twin Cities area for about um, five or six years at that point, I thought I would check in. And it wasn't long after that that I began having children. And the rest is history. So I've been in the Twin Cities since with family. Well, we're lucky to have you here. Let's start checking out some of your music that you've put together. You've got quite a history, David, in terms of styles of music and interests in music. 
So I'm looking forward to quite a ride with you as we go through it. What shall we start out with? Let's start out with something that I wrote when I was about 20 years old. It's a song that's called Breathe Deep. I think it paints a picture of philosophies that I still hold in life, and I'm 43 now. I think it'll give you a good picture as an introduction of what I believe in. And say a little bit about what those philosophies, ideas, what they're about, what they were about at 20 and now. So which are the ones that are still vital? In the context of this song, uh, Breathe Deep, it's about being in the moment, essentially. And that, I guess if I had a single message in my life, it would be being in the moment. Breathing deep is a part of that, being, being with the breath. It's something that's always with us, is the breath. And so that's something we can return to as a source of meditation. And that's something that I return to and have returned to over the years. The song is Breathe Deep. It's by David Hilkendorf, my guest for today's Song of the Soul. That was 
Breathe Deep by David Hilgendorf. A good reminder to sink down to the seed. I think that's how George Fox would have put it. How much effect did that have on your thought and belief? How much do you carry of that kind of early training? I guess you were raised in a Quaker meeting. I was, and I think that that was really significant. There is a song about George Fox that has a lot of lines in it that I think I carried with me from the time of my youth when we would sing that song regularly. The idea that there is a light shining in every person is really central to me, and in the school where I'm teaching, it's really critical. The belief that there's beauty in every individual, and that it's my job as a teacher and as a human being to recognize that in other people and trust that there is a purpose for every individual and that there's some beauty to that. Your name is an interesting thing. If people start looking it up, they say, oh yeah, I've heard about David Hilgendorf, I want to look him up on the web. They probably wouldn't find you. I'm not sure that even with their ability to recognize different spellings of word, that they, they'd get David. How did David come to be the David that you are? Well, what you're referring to, I believe, is the funny spelling of my name. And I began spelling my name in this way, D-H-A-I-V-Y-D, when I was about 12 years old. I just realized that there was enough Davids in my atmosphere that I needed to be different somehow. And I thought phonetically it was still David. And I still write it almost always in that way. My bank accounts and stuff have the traditional spelling, D-A-B-I-D. But besides the differentiation, some people began to call me David. And so it's interesting, in some circles I'm known as David, and in other circles, David. But really it was just to be different. Would it be fair to say that that's part of your philosophy of life, too? that there's a search for what is authentically you and not just mass-produced. That's well said. In fact, this last year at Friends School, each of the faculty were given awards for things about themselves, and the award that I was given was for being myself. That's a wonderful award to receive. Well, let's talk about song number two on your list. I think this one you told me earlier dates from the mid-'80s or so. Is that true? Yeah, I was in a band uh, called Synergy at that time, a reggae band. We didn't play around too much, but we had a lot of fun. And it was intended to be a gigging band, but we didn't get many gigs. But the song is a Bob Marley song, Positive Vibration. I chose this as my song, uh, one of my songs of the soul because of the meaning. The positive vibration is something that is really an important thing to me now. To me, what essentially what it means is bringing out in one's own attitude and aura, the beauty of life and being positive and having affirmations guide one's life as opposed to having negativity guide one's life. I've been trying recently to, in my conversation, rather than say negatives about something like not this, try to figure out ways to make it a positive. And I think that that is one small thing that we can do to help transform the way that the energy is moving on the planet. Is this recording done by Synergy? Is that what we're going to hear here, or is this a distinctively David song? This is a Synergy recording of Bob Marley. Positive Vibration, performed here by Synergy. Yeah, I'm positive. Positive. 
vibration and no that wasn't bob marley you were listening to that was synergy a group that david hilgendorf was part of back in the 80s david one of the reasons i think that song is especially appropriate is although i hadn't known this before i just recently i learned a fair amount about rasta and i hadn't realized how deeply spiritual of a movement it is that this is not just feel-good music this is related to some really deep spiritual currents. Had you had much connection with Rasta? Yes, I have really enjoyed reggae music, especially in the 80s. I was uh, really into reggae music. I'd go to see some local reggae bands regularly. I never considered it a religious calling for me. However, a lot of the ideas I really associate with, for example, positive vibration. And one love is another concept that I'm really, I really am still attached to. I have had some really interesting run-ins with Rastafarianism. I have a story that may be too long to tell about Rastafarians um, living in the Havasupai Indian Reservation at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Really an incredible experience. So as a religious path, I don't associate myself with Rastafarianism, but um, I love some of the ideals. You've been teaching all of this time at Friends School of Minnesota, and you mentioned, you know, like you're happy to go on for another decade at this school. What is it about this school that draws you more than other schools might? I think one of the things that makes the atmosphere really nice at the school is that decisions are made communally by consensus or by the sense of the meeting is what we call it in Quakerism. And as a result, people really feel like they can stand behind the decisions that are made. Sometimes it's really difficult to make those decisions. But once they're made, they're decisions that we have made. It's not, some, it's not a hierarchy where somebody up there made the decision and now we grumble about it. So that's, that's one of the things that makes the atmosphere so wonderful. And another thing is just that 
we really stand behind this idea that I mentioned earlier of that of God in every person, that there is beauty in every person. And we, we go on a first-name basis. The students call me David. I call the students by their first name, and it's really a respectful, a mutual respectful environment. And I think that that is one of the seeds that makes me really love being there. It's a K-8 through eight school. And the decision-making that you're talking about, this kind of Quaker decision-making, some people think of it as very heavy. It, it demands too much time, attention, that kind of sinking into worshipful silence along the way and doing that. Can K-8 through eight do that, all of those ages? I would say yes. It's The decisions that I was referring to were primarily staff-based decisions. However, when decisions need to be made, you know, in a classroom or among students, I think that they can certainly handle consensus. And that's just the culture. It's the culture that I grew up in, and so I'm most comfortable with. And I think it's really an excellent way to run meetings and to make decisions as opposed to doing like a voting or Robert's Rules of Order where somebody is out. This way, everyone is in. Everyone has their input, and everyone is heard. Let's go on to your next song you've picked out. Which one is it, and why did you pick it out? I wanted to include some improvisation because I just love doing improvisation. And one of the reasons is that I sort of begin to channel at points when I'm doing improvisation. I let go of myself, and I find a higher self that's part of the part of the oneness of all being. And uh, when I can do that with other people, there's a special magic there. There's a synergistic energy that's created that I think is part of my spiritualism, my personal spiritualism, and my expression of, of spiritualism. So, oh, I don't know, several months ago, a friend of mine and I, uh, Michelle Dunkirk, who is multi-instrumentalist, but she is best known for her violin. She plays just incredible improvisational violin. We got together at her house and just did some informal recording. I think we were both playing these teponastlis, and a teponastli is a wooden tongue drum, and it just happens to be the one that's from South America, and that's what they call it. So that was just sort of the background for us doing vocal improvisations, and so I, I thought it was important to include that because that is a big piece of my spiritual musical path. I think we'll talk about it a little bit more. First, let's listen to it. This is a vocal improv that's done by David Hilgendorf, my guest today, and Michelle Dunkirk. Yeah. 
Vocal Improv by Michelle Dunkirk, along with David Hilgendorf, who is my guest today. That kind of vocal improv, is there training that you do to do that? I mean, a lot of people are not very comfortable unless you tell them exactly which steps they're going to take. I haven't had any training for vocal improv, but there is training that you can take. There are improvisational groups, and um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I teach improvisation at friend school, so you can get training in it. But I think it's just, for me, it's just being in the moment and letting spirit move me and listening, and uh, that's pretty much it. Have you ever been led out of the silence of a Quaker worship to give vocal improv ministry. I know it'd be kind of unusual, but I have had people sing spontaneously songs that they're creating on the moment out of the silence. Has that ever happened to you? It has, although I can't remember the content of the message. I I, I can only remember it happening once where it was a vocal improvisational thing. But really, any time that I have shared in meeting, it is an improvisation um, of sorts. It's letting the spirit move me, and that's to me, that's what improvisation is. You know, a lot of people, I think, think of improvisation as, you know, being pushed by the creativity of the individual, and I, I think that that is an aspect of it. But I think that when it's spirit-led, then it transcends that sort of ego and becomes something more than that, something more magical. 
I think, David, you have a significant interest in the environment. Care for creation is the term I like to use. And I think that in part because of stuff I know about you, but also because I've seen the vehicle that you drove here in. Tell folks about the vehicle and how it got to be the way it is. Well, I drive Akasha, A-K-A-S-H-A. That's her name because it's the name for the fifth element. There are four traditional elements. Um, I'm thinking in Celtic mythology, for example, earth, air, fire, and water. And my vehicle, which is a minivan, has representations of each of those elements on each side, each panel of the vehicle. The earth is on the front with a mythological creature that was just made up by one of my friends, which is a tree that has a face in it. So it's a, it's a mother, and she's pregnant, and she's pregnant with the earth. So she's about to give birth to the earth. And on that side, it says, Earth, our body. There's another side that's water with a mermaid, and that says, Water, our blood. The passenger side is air, our breath. And there's a fairy flying on that side. And on the back is a phoenix painted by Mina Learwood, who is a Quaker friend who's also an art car artist. And on the phoenix side, it says, Fire, our spirit. And these are phrases that are borrowed from pagan mythology. And the reason that it's important to me, oh, I missed the top. The top is just sort of a cosmic swirl of colors, and that is Akasha. That's the fifth element that brings all the elements together. The reason that I drive a car like this is that, A, it's an expression of my individuality, and B, what it means to me is that we're, we're all one. All of the elements, all of the pieces are one. It's the Gaia principle of the earth being a single organism. So the earth is, the the blood that runs through our body is the water that's on the planet earth. Our bodies turn into the earth when we die. So earth is our body and there's really no separation. So if we can start to think about the planet as a body that we are a part of, as opposed to us being sort of microorganisms that are sucking things off of the planet, then I think that we are stepping towards a philosophy of environmentalism that is holistic. And I think that that's essential with all of the environmental crises that are happening on our planet. I know that you, David, and our listeners may have a little hard time believing this, but I actually didn't read the words on your car. I just had the visual images as I walked by of the fish and the other creatures. So it comes as a surprise to me that those are the words of the chant, which is of the next song that you're bringing up. Tell us about the chant and why you did it, where you did it. I recorded this just two days ago on the Capitol lawn of the Minnesota State Capitol. Every Friday for several weeks now and until the Republican National Convention, a group of people is meeting on the Capitol lawn at around 7 p.m. and doing meditation and a lot of chanting, basically putting an intention into the air around the downtown St. Paul area. It's a positive energy intention. We sang a lot of chants on this last Friday evening, and one of them was the one that is the namesake of my car, about earth, air, fire, and water. Let's listen to it. Called Earth, Our Body, it's by David Hilgendorf, along with a lot of other people on the lawn of Minnesota State Capitol. Fire, my spirit. 
body, water my blood, air my breath, and fire my spirit. Earth, my body, water my blood, air my breath, and fire my spirit. Earth, my body, water my blood, air my breath, and fire my spirit. Our body, water, our blood, air, our breath, and fire, our spirit, earth, our body, water, our blood. was Earth Our Body. David, why exactly are the people there? And what's it got to do with the Republican convention? Is there a similar group, for instance, uh, preparing for the Democrats? I have no idea if there's a group preparing for the Democrats, but it is a big deal in the Twin Cities to have the Republican National Convention being hosted there. There are a lot of people that are concerned that there's going to be a really negative energy, a sort of against Republicans coming to town. And there's a, a big movement in the Twin Cities to make it a positive experience. And it's not a, really a political thing, even though it does, of course, cross into politics. It's more of a spiritual thing. And it's an energetic, it's moving the energy of the planet in a positive way, sort of offsetting some of the negative energy that may be present at the Republican National Convention. And potentially as part of the reaction to the Republican National Convention being in the Twin Cities. The people who are doing this chanting, is it your sense that they're pro-Republican, anti-Republican? Is there a sense that that is a political group that appeals to them? I'm getting the sense that this is really a group of people who are not necessarily pro-Republican, except that they're pro-everybody. Yeah, it's a healing network is what it is. It's a network of people who are interested in helping to heal the planet through positive energy. So it is not a political movement at all, but it recognizes the energy that it's associated with politics and that it's a big deal. There's a lot of energy going into this Republican National Convention, and it's a group of people that wants it to be smooth and beautiful and moving in a positive direction. Probably there are no Republicans among the group. 
I'm glad to see that people are doing and making that effort, you know, just reaching out in a different way. It's so easy to be oppositional in our world, and it's wonderful to see people doing differently. The next song that you chose, I think, is called Blue Water, and it seems to be part of an environmental theme that's going on here. Where did Blue Water come from, and why is it part of your Song of the Soul? Well, I really wanted to include a song from the Straw Coyotes, the most uh, professional music group that I've been in. Uh, Straw Coyotes is a group that is now defunct. It was uh, operational in California when I was living in Northern California. And we would get together and create songs. Usually there was a principal writer, um, but the arrangements would be communally created. And we would uh, create what we'd call braided harmonies around the songs that would just sort of naturally develop. And I chose this one, Blue Water, because of its environmentalism. It's a long song, so we're just going to do an excerpt, I think. But the thing that's important to me is that it's talking about the water as an important part of our environment. Having clean water is something that is really important to our planet and to our well-being. You know, humans are made up of, what is it, 66% water. And um, it's a resource that is getting more and more scarce. It's the lifeblood of our planet and of us as individuals. We have come cold and thirsty. We will leave nothing more. We have slept on beds of silver. We will Tell your son 
Go tell your daughter We are stranded Upon this shore Tell her river Tell her river We'll pass and drive We'll have to drive For you notice Blue Water by the Straw Coyotes. David was part of the group. Did you write the song? Who was who the central, I guess, author of the song? I guess you're all creating part of the melody and part of the harmony there. This one is by Adam Benjamin, and he wrote most of the songs for the Straw Coyotes. He's really ahead of his time. He was about 20, maybe 21 at the time that he wrote this song. I would equate his writing ability with I don't know, maybe Dylan. His lyrics and the way he would be able to come up with tunes, but it really is a communal effort, the Straw Coyotes and the way that we created things. And so the recording, it represents that communal effort as well as the seed that he planted of the song. I think there's a third song in your environmental trilogy here. Tell us about Gods of Technology. This one takes me back to around the time I was 20 years old, I guess, 1986, after the Chernobyl uh, nuclear meltdown. We were reacting to that in our lives as a, a big worry that if there were more such meltdowns, it could be a major problem for the Earth. It was as if the gods of technology were mad, and this was a sign from the gods that we were being abusive of the environment and that we'd gone too far with technology. And so this is a song that's, uh, I think it's pretty clearly written by a 20-year-old. It's very direct in its lyrics, and I wanted to include it because of its environmentalism primarily. Let's welcome a 20-year-old David Hilgendorf into the microphone here to sing for us and play for us Gods of Technology. You flick on a switch to automate your life The push of a button to relieve your strife And now, you know I've gone too far And we'll pay the price Yeah, we'll pay the Utopia is calling to me 
Gods of Technology by David Hilkendorf. David, one of the things that's interesting is you very clearly have a passion, a long-standing passion for music and playing instruments of a number of different sorts. No one would mistake some of these recordings for professional studio-type recordings. Have you wanted to go that direction, or I guess maybe is it one of the things that's authentically David? to do things in the real world and record in the real world as opposed to studio? It just hasn't been the path of my life to this point. I love making music, and I do love to get it out there for other people, but I haven't made that a central effort of my life. I've got a lot of things going on in my life. I have made some recordings that have gone out to people, but in general, it's just what I share when I'm around other people. It's a gift that I have that I'd like to give to people, and maybe someday I'll put down more professional recordings, but I'm not attached to that idea. If people were taken by some of these tunes and they wanted to have a recording of them, how would they go about connecting with some of your music? Well, I do have a MySpace music page that I started primarily to get the music that I wrote just a few months ago for a wedding out to people. So it's not a very active page, but it's a MySpace slash David H, and David spelled in that funny way. It's D-H-A-I-V-Y-D-H, MySpace.com, actually, slash David H. And th that would uh, get you to a few of my songs. Of course, folks will know that on my northernspiritradio.org webpage, they'll have a link to that. So if it's easier to spell northernspiritradio.org than it is to spell David H. in David's way, you might want to access that through my page. I think we've got a little bit more music to cover here, David, and I know we're coming to the end of our hour together. Love. I think it's time for love to figure in. Is the love that we're going to go into, is this the personal love that we deal with? or Because we've already been talking about the global love, the love that's part of global unity. Well, it's ambiguous, and that is true in our language. The word love means many different things. And the song that will finish up the program um, talks about some different types of love. In this song, it's ambiguous. It just says that love is the opening door. It's what we came here for, and no one could offer you more. It is a beautiful song, and one of the reasons that I wanted to include it is that the group that I play music with most these days is a number of men in my community that I play with and have played with for many years, on and off, e even from before I moved away to California. We get together um, probably now once every, maybe an average of every month and a half. I spend, you know, six hours playing music, mostly vocal harmonies, a lot of uh, stuff from the 70s. But I think that love is one of the most common themes that we touch on, and I think it's one of the most important things in our lives to focus on and to fill ourselves with. <laughs> 
do you have a name for this group, or do you just, you know, call yourself us? Well, we don't perform out, and so no one else would know of us, but we affectionately call ourselves the Melancholy Boys. The words I have to say may well be simple, but they're true. Until you give your love There's nothing more that we can do Love is the opening door Love is what we came here for No one could offer love song. I think we've got one more love song to finish off the whole thing. But this is a pretty recent song, isn't it? Yeah, I wrote this song in April, and I wrote it for two geologist friends of mine who were getting married. They were getting married in a stream in North Carolina. They had originally asked, or I had asked them if I could play a song for them. And I was thinking of the Kate Wolf song, Give Yourself to Love. And I wasn't thinking of playing it during their wedding. But they said, well, we really want you to play something at our wedding, but we don't want you to play that sappy Kate Wolf song. And so I said, well, I don't really have any other wedding songs up my sleeve, um, but maybe I could come up with something. And they said that their tastes converge on Lorena McKennett. So Lorena McKennett is a Celtic vocalist, and she has a lot of cellos and sort of droning instruments in the background as she sings these lilting, beautiful lyrics on top. And I thought, how am I going to do that with a guy and his guitar? So I began to experiment with open tunings, which I have not really done before. And I found this open tuning that I really liked and just started playing around with it, and this song came out. The lyrics are probably at least as sappy as the one that I was forbidden to sing. However, it's very appropriate for geologists. The other thing about it is, as you mentioned before, there's a lot of different ways to say love in different languages. English is kind of stuck with this one word, love. But this song covers a lot of the different varieties. Yes, it does. Um, the words that you will hear in the song that are not English are Greek words. They were further defined by Aristotle, and they are eros, agape, philia, and caritas. 
Eros uh, refers to sort of the erotic love, a love of the beauty of the human body. Agape is more of a pure love. It's the love of the planet, love of thoughts, ideas, love in general. And um, caritas is a type of love that is the love of seeing a need and giving of yourself to support that need. And Thelia is basically friendship, love of friends. A lot of good loves there. And they're all contained in a song called Grecian Love Tectonics by David Hilgendorf. The bodies of land coming together We sometimes make troughs and other times mountains Slip and the ground will shake, we won't be moved. Our love is solid as stone. Creeks turn to rivers and carve out some canyons. On our beaches, they make some new shorelines. Water will change us, but we won't be moved. Our love is deeper than water. Grecian Love Tectonics by David Hilgendorf. Quite a moving song. <laughs> uh, do your friends have a good recording of this? 
Yes, they do. We didn't actually record it at the wedding, but it turned out that his brother is a musician, and he brought a guitar. And a mutual friend of ours, who is also a singer, who lives in Canada, came. And so Gail Frazier sang the background vocals, and his brother decided to pick up a drum and play. And we did this, we recorded this the day after the wedding in the Japanese garden. It was a really busy Japanese garden in Durham, North Carolina. And I just had this little handheld digital recorder that we put it down on. And we just, it was the only moment available for us to all be together playing this. I'm glad it got captured, and I'm glad that I captured you to come here to Eau Claire to join us for Song of the Soul. Thanks so much for coming in, David. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. That was David Hilkendorf of the Friends School of Minnesota. You can find some of his music on his MySpace page. Come to northernspiritradio.org for a link and post a comment while you visit. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy.